You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yes, sir. Happy Friday. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The producer extraordinaire slash the co-host with the most. James, we got a busy weekend coming up. We got a lot to get into. We only got 90 minutes today, so we're going to have to do it quick. Yeah, super fast, super quick. Why would we only have 90 minutes, you ask? Because the Fighting Tigers of LSU are taking the field against Kennesaw State at 6 o'clock, which means pregame is at 5.30 which means we'll get you out to Hattiesburg at approximately 5.30. So the NBA Finals game one last night. You got some NHL playoff action last night. We got an LSU game to preview. We got a Cajuns game to preview. There's some Astros news to get to. I mean, like I said, there's a lot to talk about. So let's go ahead and not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get into it. The Houston Astros have locked up Jordan Alvarez for six more years. He has signed a six-year, $115 million contract extension, which is the highest contract ever for a player whose primary position is designated hitter. And it guarantees him $26 million a year for his free agent seasons. It is also the fifth largest for a player who has yet to reach arbitration status. The only players that have had higher deals than him are Fernando Tatis Jr., Wander Franco, Buster Posey, and Mike Trout. So, interesting, looking at these numbers, Fernando Tatis Jr., obviously, you know, the kid's a stud, right? Before he reached arbitration, you have to be in the MLB, I believe it's three full seasons before you're eligible for arbitration. Fernando Tatis was signed to a 14-year, $340 million contract. What's the math on that, James? That's almost $25 million a year, $24 million a year, $340 million over 14, yeah, about $24 million a year. That is absolutely absurd for a kid that hasn't even hit arbitration yet. And then Wander Franco, Buster Posey, and Mike Trout. So yeah, Jordan Alvarez, six years, $115 million. It's just over 19 a year. 340 for 14? Oh, I thought you... Okay. No, you're good. You're good. Um, So yeah, deal will begin next season. It buys out all three of his free agency seasons. And he will be tied to the Astros for the next six years. Um, his contract was renewed by Houston this past offseason, which raised his salary from 609000 to 764000 So Jordan's going to get a little bit of a payday with this new contract starting next season. I want to say his salary for next season instantly raises to $5 million. Some other news in the world of sports. Alex Mack has announced his retirement from the NFL after 13 seasons. The San Francisco 49ers center bringing an end to his career that includes seven selections to the Pro Bowl, three second-team All-Pros, and a spot on the Pro Football Hall of Fame's All-Decade team for the 2010s. He's played 204 games for three different teams. And he says, I am so grateful to the game of football and everything it has given me from the very start to help shape who I am and taught me life lessons. I started to play football because it was fun and that never changed. I always tried to hold up my end of the bargain and never let anyone doubt my effort. Frank Gore also retiring yesterday as sitting third place among most rushing yards by a running back in NFL history. James Mesh, how did you feel last night watching your Celtics come back from 12 down in the fourth to secure game one of the NBA Finals? 
felt like every other time I'd done it. <laughs> just felt a little elevated since it was actually the finals, and the fact that they were able to outscore the Warriors by 24 in the fourth. It was great to watch. I wouldn't say I was so surprised because I've seen them do it before. Yeah. The only thing that really got me was just the fact that Derek White almost felt like he turned into Kobe. And <laughs> Stephen Curry was a man-child in the first quarter. That was about it. But he, he had a solid third quarter, but it was like... It was okay. Second and fourth, he kind of... Disappeared? Yeah. Well, the the second, he had so many fouls. He sat for the first half of the second quarter, and then when he came in, he started fouling people. He ended the second quarter with three fouls. Yep. And so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard. I was really surprised. So he went into halftime with three fouls. I was really surprised that he started the second half on the floor. If I was Steve Kerr, I probably would have sat him. Well, he pretty much, you sat him the almost the first half, the second quarter. So you, you already sat him five, six minutes right there. Well, I'm not talking about resting him. I'm talking about keeping him out of foul trouble. Well, still, he still had, you, you got 24 minutes left and he's already not played about eight minutes or about seven minutes of the game. It's like, look, we're in the finals. I'm going to need you to play 40 plus. So starting him kind of was a necessity unless you just want to sub him in after two minutes. It's like, you might as well just start him. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. Um, looking at some scores, we'll dive into the NBA finals a little bit later here in the second segment of hour number one, looking at some scores from the world of college baseball Indy Hattiesburg Regional Southern Miss has taken down Army by the score of 2 to nothing Texas A&M currently leads Oral Roberts 6 to 2 in the bottom of the 8th some other games of note Stanford already out to a big lead on Binghampton 10 to 1 Campbell the Camels taking down Georgia Tech 15 to 8 Oklahoma coming back from being down 3 nothing to win 16 to 3. Yeah, that's right. They were down 3 nothing and won and scored 16 unanswered to win 16 to 3. Uh some big games coming on later, Alabama State and Tennessee, Tennessee being without star Evan Russell behind the dish tonight. We'll see how that affects the Vols. Coastal Carolina representing the Sun Belt, they'll play Virginia here in about an hour. Southeastern Louisiana plays Auburn at 6, LSU and Kennesaw State at 6, and then obviously the Cajuns playing TCU at 7. You also have Texas State playing the Gauchos of UC Santa Barbara coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. So you've got college baseball, you've got the Women's College World Series in the world of softball, you have NHL, you have the MLB, the Astros playing tonight against the Kansas City Royals with a 7-10 first pitch in Kansas City. It's going to be Jose Urquidy against Brady Singer. Jordan Alvarez, you know, we talked earlier about him getting that contract extension. He leads the Astros with 14 home runs and 34, 31 RBIs, while Salvador Perez leads the Royals in that category with six home runs so far on the year. The Royals are 16-33, and 33. 8 and 15 at home while the Astros are 33 and 18 with 19 and 12 record on the road. James, what are you looking forward to most in the world of sports this weekend? Obviously, game 2 of the Celtics is Sunday night, but you know, maybe outside of that, you know, what are you looking forward to to sitting down and watching this weekend? We're kind of interested to see how both of the Cajuns and LSU regionals go. Yeah. Because I don't want to say it's a gimme with Kennesaw State, but I mean you, you got to believe that they'll win this first game tonight. You would you would think you you would have to believe. Yeah. I don't want to say it's a guaranteed win, but I mean you got to have that strong feeling like yeah, the the Tigers should be able to pull this off. You would you would definitely think. Um, one thing that's going to be interesting to see though is Kennesaw State has a pitcher by the name of Jack Myers. He has started 15 games this year for Kennesaw State. He has a 5-3 record, a 4.01 ERA. In 85 and a third innings, he's given up 47 runs, 29 walks, and 65 strikeouts. 
You also have Smith Pinson, who has struck out 80 so far on the year, and John Bezdek, who has struck out 81 on the year. So Kennesaw State, looking at their statistics, they know how to strike people out. And LSU being an aggressive offensive team, they're going to strike out a lot. So be interesting to see how that factors into the contest, no question. Our poll question of the day is up on social media. What are you most looking forward to this weekend? Is it the NBA Finals? Is it the Astros Weekend Series in Kansas City? Is it the Cajuns Regional? Is it the Tigers Regional? A lot of baseball going on. We're getting into that part of the year. College baseball getting ready to wrap up in a couple weeks, and then you're going to have a summer full of the MLB. We're going to have a lot of Astros to talk over the next couple of weeks until you know football gets rolling in July. NBA Finals, Astros Weekend Series, Cajuns Regional, Tigers Regional. Twitter and Facebook, go check it out on our social media channels if you want to get in on the action with that. As a reminder here on this Friday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, if you want to see the Houston Astros in person, well, listen up. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. All you got to do is register in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Only 90 minutes today. We still got a lot to talk about. We'll talk NBA Finals on the other side of this timeout. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Here on your Friday afternoon, 418. The Boston Celtics taking down the Golden State Warriors 120 to 108 in game one of the NBA Finals last night. The end of the first half, it was a 56 54 advantage for the Celtics. They were outscored by 14 in the third, 38 to 24. And, you know, Jordy, Jordy alluded to this during his show. I don't know what kind of conversation was had between the third and fourth quarter, but or or, or what the Celtics took or or what was going on. But man, forty to sixteen in the fourth quarter. They had some of Mike's secret stuff. That is absolutely insane, dude. Like they they couldn't miss. Insane. And then you, you did that. With your stud only shooting three of seventeen on the night. Now, granted, that stud had thirteen assists for you. I was gonna say, look, he didn't but, score, but he made up for it with his playmaking and be able to get other people open because he still commanded that attention, even though he was missing. And at that point, well, if you're gonna try and double me and collapse if I'm trying to attack or try to shoot a three, I'll just pass it to Marcus or I'll pass it to Al or Derek White for an open three. But yo, I'm gonna say this. Al Horford Getting 26? Finals MVP? Never saw that coming. No. Never saw that coming. Because he, he didn't do it at all in no. the Miami series. You got you got that one crazy game where it was his first 30-point performance in the playoffs in his career in game four against Milwaukee. Or no, it was game three. Game three against Milwaukee, he had that 30-point game. Four. game. It was four. Yeah, it was four because it went Milwaukee-Boston, Milwaukee-Boston. So in Brooklyn... This was his scoring totals for the four games against Brooklyn. 20, 16, 3, 13. Okay? Then against Milwaukee, he had 12, 11, 
22, 30, 8, 2, and 6. Yeah, like the last three games, he just heavily cooled off. So whatever the over-under is for Al Horford, I'd probably say just hammer the under. <laughs> yeah, more times than not, for sure. Um, and then, you know, looking at the Miami series, most he scored was 20. And, I, and that was game three. That was game three? Yeah, and then he had 16 in game five. I honestly expected last night he was going to get somewhere in the 12 to 16 range. I mean, Al Horford's going to get his. He's going to score a couple points. Like if um, if all your comm- if if Tatum and Brown command a bunch of attention, then you're going to leave right Al Horford open, and he can knock down open shots. Right. Yeah. He's. I mean, he even hit a couple threes last night. Like more than a couple. <laughs> how the many? Man, how many threes did he end up having last night? Six. He hit six out of eight. No way. And he was nine for twelve. It was from the that floor. many. Yeah. He was he was throwing them and down. That's bad because I watched the game, and I didn't realize he had hit six of them. I, I think it it was definitely back to back at one point. Yeah, I believe was, he was, but it was eight. almost it was almost back to back to back. And I was like, dude, just keep shooting because my because my friend he had this he had this parlay, it, and it was like I just he said I need Al Horford to get fifteen plus, and yeah. my other friend was like, no, that's probably not going to you hit. and I, you and I got to talk <laughs> about betting advice. Buddy, making my parlay yesterday in the studio, and I'm like, James, you know, you're the basketball guy. Help me out. And he goes, oh, uh, definitely put Steph Curry under. Come on, man. You expect him to make 21 in the first quarter? The over-under was 27 and a half, and he had 21 in the first quarter. You... When does he ever do that? I mean, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I didn't see that coming either, but... You're coming after me. It's the the game of basketball. It kind of goes with the flow. If someone's hitting, you give them the ball. Like, I'm sitting there Usually, watching... Steph wasn't hitting during the playoffs. I'm he wasn't there, hitting like this. I'm sitting there watching the game last night going, okay, well, there's one. There's another. Oh, well, crap, there's two. At that point, I was watching the stream, and you're like, he's already got 11 points. I'm like, shut up. I'm only at where he has seven. And I was like, oh, okay, there's there's three more. And then I was like, James? <laughs> like, come on, dude. Then do your own research. You're, you're lucky. You're lucky. You had like three other parts of it that didn't f- that's work what anyway. I was about to say. You're lucky that that wasn't the one leg that didn't hit. Because then I'd be really angry. Like, I probably wouldn't even be talking to you right now kind of angry. Then, then don't even go to me for advice. But I'll, I'll do my own parlays, hey, and then you'll get upset if I hit them. You are forgiven. Because I wanted the Celtics to win more than I wanted to make money. As he got his wife to make an account. Be like, hey, hey, I need to get some betting money. Hey, bro. I need that hey, 75. Don't, don't, don't tell my lies. Don't tell my secrets. Said it on air yesterday. What do you mean? Don't tell my secrets. (laughs) It's not a secret. (laughs) It's not a secret at all. So you had 12 points from Tatum, but he also had 13 assists and five boards. You had 24 from Jalen Brown. 24, 7, and 5, mind you. Jalen Brown was stuffing the stat sheet last night. He had a hell of a game. And then you had 18, 5, 4, and 2 out of Marcus Smart. He had a nice night. By the way, game hotline is open, 706-0111, if you want to chime in on the show. And also here in Acadiana, you can watch this on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Question, James, talk to me. Why did Grant Williams only play 16 minutes last night? Was that a matchup thing that Ime Yudoka saw? Or? That, that tends to be the case. It was kind of the same thing with why you didn't see Peyton Pritchard the last four games of the Miami series because it was just a bad matchup Grant Grant's more for having to guard the the big guys that can score like trying to guard Bam or trying to guard Giannis which or maybe even trying to like not let Brooke Lopez score on you but but the Warriors I mean you're not really in when you're the Celtics you're not really intimidated by Kevon Looney and Draymond Green scoring yeah so it's like we like you, Grant. Obviously, like we wouldn't be playing this you this much if we didn't like you. But it's like 
if Derek White's gonna and Al Horford are gonna be shooting like this, we don't need you on the floor. <laughs> now, Peyton Pritchard, talk to me about this kid. Like Pepe, where did he come from? Who is he? Now, this is his second year. Cause he he seems to like he's, he hasn't really like burst onto the seams, but like he played. I feel he, like you never heard his name until the playoffs. Well, he played last year during the playoffs, and he 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 did the same thing. It's just he's only become more consistent than he did last year because he's grown. And I remember he was in a summer league, not the NBA summer league, but during the summer after they were eliminated, he scored ninety two points in like this basketball league that he joined. He scored 92 points in a game, if I recall correctly. Like, he was shooting lights out, and this whole season, when he when you put him in, he's looking to score, score, and score some more. Like, he is that attacking point guard, and he's worked on his range, and I saw it during the summer. Like, he was shooting from where he is now, shooting from 28, 29 feet from the wing, and, and he knocks him down. So I'm not shocked that if he does a step back, over somebody like an Andrew Wiggins or whatever, all six foot one of them, I, I believe he's gonna knock it down because he's he's got that confidence, he's got that mentality, and he's worked on his game to be able to ball handle, and be able to. When I watch him, I rarely ever see him turn it over. It's the same thing with Derek White. It's like they make Derek White makes more of the quick decisions, but when it comes to both of them, they both know how to dribble up the floor and not feel like they have to do too much if someone is doing like a half or a full court press. Like they know how to get away from it and dish it off to Jalen or Jason or whoever they need to. That way they don't dribble too much and then they get their pockets picked. All right, let's do this. Found an article on Bleacher Report. Ranking the greatest NBA Finals performances since 2000. Now, I sent it to you Mm-hmm. But I don't really want you to look at it. Uh, okay. Let me close it out then. <laughs> I'm going to give you the gist of it, and you tell me if you agree. Okay. Okay? So th- this is the top eight performances. In eighth, Kobe Bryant in 2009. Okay. So he started off the series with 40 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists. He helped force overtime in game two, getting 29 points and eight assists. He recorded 31 points in Game 3, 32 points in Game 4, and then 30 points in Game 5. So averaged 32.4 points a game, which is the sixth highest scoring clip for an NBA champion in the Finals. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely worthy. Are, are, you, are you, but eighth place worthy? I'd, I'd probably maybe even move it higher. I don't know. It just kind of depends. I need to find out all eight of them. Okay, seventh is LeBron in 2016. With the Cavs, the the finals. Yeah, the year they the year they won. With oh the, my god! With the that's Cavs. only that's only seven for the series. LeBron averaged twenty nine point seven points, eleven point three rebounds, eight point nine assists, two point six steals, and two point three blocks. And not to mention, they were down three one and came back from the dead. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only reason you wouldn't put it higher is because he didn't hit. It was Kyrie that hit the game winning shot, as well as Kyrie was holding his own. Right. As scoring just as many, if not more, than LeBron some nights. So that's seven. So that's okay. That's fair. Six, Kevin Durant against the Cavs in 2017. Yeah, he went insane. Kevin averaged 35.2 points per game, 47.4 three point percentage. uh, So stupid. Shooting 55.6% overall. He also converted 93% of his free throws. Um, I mean, he he had a high 50, 40, 90. KD became high one. KD became only the sixth player to score thirty plus in each game of the finals. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. that's definitely yeah. up there. I mean, that's your sixth. Fifth is Shaq in 2 This was thirty six point three points per game, twelve point three boards, three point eight assists, and two point eight blocks. <laughs> oh my God, that's ridiculous for a center. Yeah. He had 36, 40, 35, and 34 in the four games. Number four is Tim Duncan in 03 against the Nets. Um, Duncan averaged 24.2 points, 
17 rebounds, 5.3 assists, and 5.3 blocks. Oh, my God. In the six-game series. In game one, he had 32, 27 blocks, and six assists. Oh, my God. Nobody else in league history has ever posted a 30, 25, and 5 finals game. And then he capped the series with 21, 20, 10 assists, and 8 blocks. He almost Two had blocks a away from a quadruple double. Oh, my goodness. Two decades later, Duncan still owns the NBA record for most blocks in a single finals with 32. That's just the finals. Yeah. Dwayne Wade is third in 2006. Uh, Dwayne averaged 34.7 points, 7.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists, and 2.7 steals per game in the memorable series. I agree with that. That's fair. D-Wade, that's fair. That was, that's that was fair, a different level of D-Wade. That's definitely fair, but I feel like maybe you have to lower him by about two. Okay, two so, slots, you would, like so you two would put Duncan slots. above him? Duncan and Shaq's. Yeah. Because th- those are ridiculous. Second is Giannis. Okay. Last year. Last year's. 35.2 points on 61.8% shooting, 13.2 rebounds, 5 assists, and 1.8 blocks. The stats aren't great, but I guess they're tying in. I guess I guess they're looking at game six where he had 50. Right. And then also. And he knocked down all his free throws. And for, they're, prob- they're probably also contributing, you know, how much his performance meant to, to like, the Milwaukee. franchise. Right. It's first championship in 50 years, blah, blah, blah. And then your first, your best performance of all time is Shaq in 01. He routed the Sixers for 33 points, 15.8 rebounds, 4.8 assists, and 3.4 blocks per game. Man. He had a 44-20 and 20 in a Game 1 loss, uh, finished one assist and two blocks shy of a quadruple double in Game 2, 30 points and 12 rebounds in Game 3, followed by a 34-14 Game 4 and 29-13 Game 5. Wow. The big diesel was something else, bro. I might have to move. Keep Kobe at eight. I'd maybe move. I get I get the meaning behind it, but if I'm looking at strictly just stats, yeah, like how I am with everyone else's, I'd probably move D Wade to six, Giannis to seven, LeBron's to five, and then scoot everybody else up. Yeah, that's fair. I would agree with that. Tim Duncan should definitely be higher than four. Yeah, that's, Those stats that's, are that's ridiculous. Stupid. He should be at worst podium. Those stats are ridiculous, dude. All right, good good basketball conversation. As a reminder, the LSU Tigers will begin their quest for a seventh national championship when they open up NCAA regional play tonight in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. First pitch between LSU and Kennesaw State is set for six. Pre-game's at 5.30, and you can listen to it all right here on The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Scott Watkins of the Sun-Herald in Biloxi will join us on the other side to preview the Hattiesburg Regional and what LSU fans can expect out of the Golden Eagles of Southern Miss. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on The Game. It's 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. We got regional baseball going down tonight in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, as Southern Miss hosts the regional for the third time in the history of Pete Taylor Park. The LSU Tigers are the two-seed in that regional. They will play Kennesaw State tonight at 6 o'clock. You can catch that game right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. To preview the regional as a whole and how LSU could fare in this regional is a writer from the Sun-Herald, Mr. Scott Watkins. Scott, good afternoon, man. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you know, let's talk about Southern Miss for a second. Like I said, hosting a regional for the third time in the history of Pete Taylor Park, 
also in 2003 and 2017. You know, what does this mean for the, the program and the city of Hattiesburg to be hosting a regional of this magnitude yet again? Uh, well, it's always a great economic boon to have so many teams and, and, a, and a fan base like LSU's come to Hattiesburg. And it's especially great uh, this year because they hosted the Conference USA tournament as well. So this is back-to-back weekends where fans from all over the southeast are pouring at the Hattiesburg. So this is this is a really big deal, and it's a really it's been a really good couple of weeks for the school, for Pete Park, and for the city as a whole. Now let me ask you about the Conference USA tournament because you know a lot of people are expecting an LSU Southern Miss matchup on Saturday. Southern Miss fell to UTSA twice in that tournament, seven to six, and then eleven to two. What was UTSA doing that was kind of like a kryptonite for the Golden Eagles? You know, it's it's funny that you bring that up because that that was something that I wrote about today. What UTSA did is what Army does, and that makes uh, that makes this Friday game that Southern Miss has against Army a one to watch. I think I, I don't think Army is a pushover. UTSA is the type of team that just pokes holes in the outfield grass with singles and gets on base a lot. They're almost their entire lineup is hitting over 300 and that's what they did. And they, they finally broke through in that second game, scored like six runs in the eighth inning and, and put the game away. Uh, and that's, that's what army does. And that's, that's something that Southern Miss is going to have to get a hold of. Now, this is a new week. The arms are fresh. Uh, Southern Miss should be able to roll with its ACE tomorrow or today. Um, but that's that's what UTSA did. They they just got on base and they picked up hit after hit after hit. And Southern Miss struggled at the plate as it has for the last few weeks. Chatting with Scott Watkins of the Sun Herald covering Southern Miss. Let's talk about Southern Miss. You know, on offense, you look at you look at the statistics. Dustin Dickerson's your leader in average with at three forty. Got Christopher Sargent hitting twenty home runs and fifty four RBIs, and not to mention the Montenegro brothers, Gabe and Rodrigo. You know, talk to me about this Golden Eagles lineup and you know the damage that they can do from the offensive side. Well, it's a very well rounded lineup. I mean, as you said, Dustin Dickerson, he's leading a batting average and he's leading at doubles. Christopher Sargent leads in home runs, and neither of those two are among the top four on the team in OPS. So it's it's a very good lineup. They get hitting production uh, just across the board, really. Their biggest issue is bringing in runners when it matters and bringing in somebody from second base. It's not a very athletic team. They kind of struggle with that 180-foot run there. And that's that's their big that's been their big issue all year long is they will spray the yard with singles, doubles. They they're they hit home runs, they fit over seventy this year. They are not very clutch. They don't they don't do well with runners in scoring position and that's kind of their kryptonite on offense. Uh but otherwise it, it's a team that is good enough across the board all the way down the lineup that when they are on, they are on. And you saw that in April when they won fifteen consecutive games. When this offense is going they are going. The problem is, is they've got to be consistent uh, from the first inning to the ninth inning. Now, looking at pitching, I mean, Tanner Hall, Hunter Riggins, and then Hurston Waldrop have been, you know, just some dudes for the Golden Eagles in that weekend rotation. Pitching-wise, the second-best team ERA in America at 3.16, you know, how has pitching really been able to carry this team into this hosting position that they're in? Well, they fill the strike zone. That's what they do. I had had a player tell me once that the pitching coach, Christian Ostrander, he would rather you give up a home run than a walk because if you give up a home run, it means you do a strike. So that's what they do is they, they throw strikes. They fill the zone. Hurston Waldrop is the day three starter, and he's got 13-and-a-half strikeouts per nine innings rolling right now, which is just unbelievable. And then Hunter Riggins has done a great job. He's your traditional pitch-to-contact guy. And then Tanner Hall is the first-team All-American there on, on on Fridays. He's been phenomenal all year long. He rarely walks anybody, picks up a lot of strikeouts, and doesn't give up a lot of a lot of barrels. So this rotation is one of the very best in baseball, and it's, it is the reason why they're in this situation right now. Chatting with Scott Watkins here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Let's talk about Scott Barry. It's his 13th season leading the Southern Miss Eagles, a 435-237 record. You know, 
He's captured four tournament titles in Conference USA. They're coming to the Sun Belt here this next season. Talk to me about Scott Barry. Talk to me about his coaching staff and how they lead this team. Well, Scott Barry, this year he became the uh, all-time winningest coach in Southern Miss history. Uh, they lean on pitching. Coach Ostrainer, he's been around for a long, long time. And Scott Barry just kind of oversees things. It's it's a very good staff. It is, it is uh, the best that they've ever had. Um, which is saying something because Southern Miss is, is a program that it's been very lucky. It's been very blessed to have good staff after good staff after good staff. And so to say that Barry's has been the best and the most productive, that really is saying something. And this is what they do. I mean, they, they pitch great. Uh, you go back year after year and they've got an all American almost every year of the last four years. And they got uh, the last first team all American guy they had was Nick Sandlin back in 2018. And he's playing for Cleveland, the Cleveland guardians now. And that's, this is just what Southern Miss does. They quietly pump out, uh, you know, MLB-ready pitching arms. They sent two to the draft last year. Uh, it's, it's a good staff, and they're, they're going to do well in the Sun Belt. It's a step up, but they will, they're, they're going to do just fine. Now, looking at the roster, you know, especially looking at Tanner Hall, I'm looking at some of the, the youth of this team. Tanner Hall being a sophomore definitely helps. Rodrigo Montanero being a sophomore, you know, Dustin Dickerson being a sophomore as well, you know, what kind of team are the Eagles looking at having in 2022-2023? They bring back almost everybody from this year, and they, they don't lose much. Uh, they're they're going to be very, very talented. I think Will McGillis has the option to leave, and he probably will. I think uh, there's one pitcher that they're going to be losing. I can't remember who it was, but they're going to be bringing back a lot of guys next year. This is going to be a very deep team. Uh, you mentioned young guys. Dustin Dickerson is kind of an experienced young guy. I think he may be a third-year sophomore. But you got guys like Carson Pato, who is a redshirt freshman. He's one of the best hitting teams, or one of the best hitting players on the team. He's the most athletic player on the team. Best defensive out- outfielder they have. Slade Wilkes. He was uh, he was talked about out of high school as a potential MLB draft guy, but he chose to go to Southern Miss. Second year, he has exploded. He's got a huge bat that. The ceiling for him is through the roof. This is a lineup and a rotation that could be very, very dangerous the next year or two. Scott Watkins of the Sun-Herald joining us here on Crunch Time with you guys and Mesh. A couple more for you, Scott. You know, just the regional as a whole with Kennesaw State, Army, LSU, and Southern Miss, what are your expectations and what does Southern Miss need to do in order to advance and – you know, how can LSU kind of exploit, you know, you talked about the weaknesses for Southern Miss. How can LSU exploit that? Well, for, for Southern Miss, uh, they've got to take advantage of scoring opportunities. That's the biggest thing because with LSU, they're going to get their runs and they're going to get them via the long ball. Pete Taylor Park is a home run friendly park. And Southern Miss, as I said, they fill up the strike zone. So what I'm expecting in, when it comes to an inevitable matchup, maybe on Saturday, uh, I think that there's going to be a lot of swing and misses. I think that LSU is going to get rung up at least 10 times, and I think they're going to hit at least three home runs. So that's that's going to be – that's ironically, it's going to leave it up to the Southern Miss offense, which is the, the matchup that nobody's talking about here. It's going to be whether, up to whether or not Southern Miss can put hits together, get the line moving, and get runs in and keep up with this LSU offense. But, the offense that I believe has hit 107 home runs, which is 30 more than Southern Miss has, that's that's going to be the key to this game. So in, in a battle of great pitching versus great offense, you think that Southern Miss's offense is the X factor? I think it's the X factor right here because I think that both teams in that matchup that we're talking about, uh, I think that Southern Miss is going to get theirs and I think the LSU is going to get theirs. And that's going to leave it up to Southern Miss to catch up. Fantastic stuff. Scott Watkins of the Sun-Herald joining us. Scott, thank you for your time. Have a great weekend over there in the Berg, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. There he goes. Scott Watkins of the Sun-Herald. As a reminder, it's the game's birthday, and that means that this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd for some delicious wings, amazing door prizes, and appearances from your favorite 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles personalities. Also, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Ambassador Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash.
Don't go anywhere. More crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh after this on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The NBA Finals are here, and so is your chance to score big on FanDuel Sportsbook. Throughout the NBA Finals, FanDuel is giving new customers $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Bet the money line, the point spreads, the player props, and so much more. Plus, you can combine your bets for an even bigger payday with same-game parlays. I believe the Warriors will bounce back and tie the game up this series on Sunday, but Jason Tatum will also score more than he did in Game 1. Just sign up with promo code KLWB. If you haven't tried FanDuel yet, now is the perfect time to give it a shot, because the only thing sweeter than watching the finals is cashing out on all the action. Join today with promo code KLWB and turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets, win or lose. Make every game feel like Game 7 with FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana, permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issue is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Thank you, James Mesh. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. James, I've got a question for you. I'm looking at the Celtics roster because I still had it pulled up from our conversation. Yeah. Who the hell is Matt Ryan? Wait, what? The Celtics are Matt Ryan? Yeah. That's uh, what I'm... Uh, I mean, he's a bench warmer. He really never plays. <laughs> Okay, he in his last 10 games, he's played five minutes and has three points. Yeah. I was curious because I was scrolling through Twitter, and I saw a picture, and it's from Matt Ryan, and it's a picture of him and Al Horford, and it says, Happy birthday to the legend. It's a pleasure being your teammate and learning from you. And I was like, who the hell is that guy? He's not even in a uniform. It's kind of the same thing with Luke Cornett, except he is wearing a uniform just in case, and Juwan Morgan, I mean... It's just, it's the back five where, it's, I mean, they don't play unless you're winning by 20 in the final five minutes. And then right. you just sub them in. Or if you have so many people hurt that you just kind of... you kind of forced to have to play them. Have to, yeah. All right, I was just curious. All right, here's here's a real question I have. It appears that LSU is going to go with Mikel Hilliard tonight. Okay. Which seems normal because she's your Friday guy. However, call it for what you will... You you say you don't want to look you don't want to overlook an opponent and it's true you don't. However, Kennesaw State and Southern Miss not quite on the same playing field. If it's me, I'm putting Ty Floyd out there tonight. Let him get five good innings of work and then ride the bullpen for the last four innings, and then you throw Mikael Hilliard tomorrow against Southern Miss. Do you agree, or do you go with your ace tonight to guarantee that first win? I I get I get it. It's very tempting to want to maybe be like, uh, I want to see my best arm for the best comp in this regional. But at the same time, it's for me. I hate to have to look at the count your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. So it, I get it, but ultimately. Knowing myself, it's like I can't look to game two. I've done that too many times where I don't even look at game one, and then guess what? I lose eight to three in game one. And now everything's all screwed up because I had this plan where I'm looking at game two and winning the regional, and I'm looking forward to like taking on Southern Miss with my best pitcher. But guess what? Now, Now it's all ruined because... I, I tried to do too much. I tried to get too cute. That's true. That's that's a good it's a good way of looking at it. Uh, I didn't I didn't look at it that way. That's a good way of looking at it. LSU will play Kennesaw State at six o'clock tonight, and then the Cajuns will play TCU and College Station at seven o'clock. If LSU wins, they will play Southern Miss tomorrow, and if LSU, and if UL wins, they will play 
Texas A&M tomorrow at 7. So, no, sorry. If UL wins tonight, they will play A&M at 6 tomorrow. If they lose, they will play Oral Roberts at noon tomorrow. The Tigers, if they win tonight, they play Southern Miss tomorrow. That's where we stand. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two on the other side. We're going to preview Kennesaw State, Tigers opponent tonight, as well as we'll dive a little bit deeper into the Horned Frogs. We did a little bit yesterday, but we'll dive a little bit further. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of an hour and a half here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 502 on your Friday. So let me be the first to welcome you into your weekend. Congratulations to you. Got a big one coming up over the next couple of days. Regional baseball, the Astros, the NBA Finals, Saints still grinding through OTAs. There's a lot going on. James, you feeling all right, buddy? You doing good over there? Yeah, I'm chilling. Yeah? You good? Are you good? I'm great. Oh, okay. Well, I just I'm great. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm going out to, to Chops Mid-City Smokehouse tonight. Mm-hmm. The get local some, celebrity get some bar. Yeah, yeah. You know, apparently I'm a local celebrity to the to those guys. Um, go and hang out, get some good barbecue, cover the Cajuns. So, uh, if you don't have any plans for either the Cajuns game or the LSU game, come out to Mid City Smokehouse. Um, if you've never been there, it is a barbecue restaurant inside of a 70 year old house. It's the best barbecue in town, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, good guy owns it, and good guys work there. So. Come come check it out if you if you need a place to hang out for your Friday night. All right, New Orleans Saints. You definitely don't have the shirt for barbecue. No, no you have to take that off. <laughs> I don't. Um, luckily, I'm going home, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change before I go. So good for you. It's gonna be fine. I'm because I'm messy. I, oh yeah, I'm messy. Yeah, white at a barbecue joint, not for Matt. Definitely not. Um, all right, New Orleans Saints. Jarvis Landry met with the media today after OTAs, which people were really looking forward to now that he is back in the fold of things. And first things first, Jarvis was asked about his impression of the Saints wide receivers coach, Cody Burns. He's very detailed. You know, he uh, he knows a lot. He understands the game. You know, he's giving us coaching points, things to recognize that, you know, even in year nine that I haven't really, I don't say paid attention to, but, you know, he's broken down in ways that has allowed me to see the field a little bit better. You know, it's only been an early three days so far, but, you know, he's been helping me even, you know, when I've been in Florida, spending my time in Florida, he's still been kind of helping me virtually as well. So um, he's, he's, you know, all is well so far. Jarvis went on to further elaborate about his new quarterback, the LASIK laser famous Jameis Winston. He's a leader, man. He's he's a guy, again, like I, I, t- I told you guys earlier before when I first got here, he's one of the reasons why I came here. Just the conversations that we had, you know, the intent that, you know, he's putting about behind the things that he's saying, you know, and obviously out here on the field, you know, what you see is what you get, you know. I mean, look, I don't see nobody else out here, and this guy's the last one, you know, and that's who he is, you know, and uh, that's something that you want at that position and a part of your team. Another guy that he spent some time talking about is his wide receiver mate, who a lot of people think they play a very similar style of football. And that is, of course, Mr. Can't Guard Mike, Michael Thomas. That's my brother. Excited to see him. You know, we've always been talking. We've had a long-standing relationship since, you know, he was in high school, we were in college. You know, so he's a guy that, as time went on and, Obviously, the things that he did here in New Orleans, you know, you look up to a guy like that, you know. Um, so he has a, a lot of, uh, of potential, even more potential going forward, and I can't wait to see him out here and line it up with him. It should be fun. James, you're Saints buff. Before we play this next clip from Jarvis, I want to ask you, 
is making plays with the ball in his hands something that he can bring to this offense? I would definitely say so. I mean, he he's more of a short route guy, so a lot of his yards are coming after the catch, and he's not an easy guy to bring down. He's not super fast, but he is shifty, and he can a, he can make and, a move on you. And he's a big old boy. He is. He's a big old dude. And so uh, that's what we have to say. Here's what Jarvis has to say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm just, you know, getting my feet back under me, trying to get understanding of the playbook so I can play a little bit faster. You know, but those things that come with just reps. You know, we got a couple weeks here before we close out. Then, you know, that continues on to training camp in the season. So I'll be ready. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball now. Alante Taylor, the second-round draft pick out of Tennessee, met with media today, and he was talking about Paulson Adebo, the second-year player, helping him out uh, throughout OTAs. But even more importantly than that, he talks about how important it is to have the veteran presence of a guy like Tyron Matthew in the locker room. Yeah, uh, you know, you go into the DB room, uh, you know, you see guys like Tyron Matthews, uh, Chauncey Gardner, guys like that. Uh, and you just kind of like, wow, uh, you know, there's a lot of talent in here, a lot of experience in here. And being a young buck um, in a really good secondary, you know, I like to ask a lot of questions. And so uh, just having that feeling and knowing, like, you know, they're going to help me. Um, I think that's the first thing I realized from the jump from Tyron. Uh, you know, being a corner, him playing safety, he comes to me, talks to me all the time. And, you know, being a young buck and having that type of uh, guy in my ear, um, I really appreciate. So I'm just looking forward to it every single day. And then staying with that same position group, we talked about Paulson Adebo, the second-year corner out of out of Stanford, you know, had a had a pretty good year last year, made some valuable contributions, but there was a lot that could have been better. There was a lot of rookie mistakes, there was a lot of room for growth, and so that was that was a big topic of conversation when he took the podium is, you know, what have you improved on between year 1 and year 2? Definitely just knowing more as far as the defense. Um, knowing a little bit more than just my job last year, coming in as a rookie, I'm more locked into what do I need to do, and kind of everybody else is on their own. Now, having had the experience, I could, it allows me to kind of help other people a little bit and help them get lined up if I can, but that's probably the biggest area, I'd say. James, how excited are you for just the New Orleans Saints in general as the season just begins to inch closer and closer? to September and to the beginning of the year. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Football is my favorite sport. So to be able to see the Saints play another season when it's never a time when you're like, oh, this this team's going to suck. Like you, you felt like it would have been two years ago. You felt like it could have been again this year with how bad the caps were, the cap space was, how far they were in the hole, and they found ways to dig themselves out of it. And not only did they reload, but they retooled as well. So if anything, after seeing what happened last year, how everything just that could have gone bad went bad and actually and sometimes went worse at some points, the fact that they reloaded, retooled, improved this roster, we have not necessarily new faces, but new people in command of this team. It feels good. As much as I hate to say it, I love Sean Payton. Every coach has his flaws, but it kind of feels like maybe there was too much pride with Sean Payton to hold it, and he was kind of somewhat holding the Saints back because he wanted to prove that he was better than everyone else, so he would kind of hinder himself. He would, he would kind of sh- <laughs> handcuff himself, I guess you could say, to, and, and then when it w- whenever he would win, it would still prove like, hey, yeah. I'm that guy. I can still do it. So to be able to see this team kind of not hold themselves back, they got out of that we hate LSU stereotype where they they signed Tyra Matthew. They signed Jarvis Landry. There's a potential of bringing back Quan at some point during maybe training camp or something. Just just to see that all of the kind of not all of them since they still got an Ohio guy because got to get at least one, but to see these changes and kind of what the fans have been asking for for so long is like go get LSU guys like they're talented right go get these players why are you not addressing the wide receiver position when we obviously see Drew is declining like his arm strength that like his mind's still there no doubt but 
he's not able to make as many of the throws as he used to, and he could really use some help on the outside other than just Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara in the backfield. Yeah. So the fact that they've been able to address so many positions and they stay, they still stay true to when it comes to the cap situation and signing players and not being like, I'm not going to overpay you what we want to pay you. And they still go get guys to replace them. Like yeah. it, it was a phenomenal job. Yeah, th- this has definitely been one of the better off seasons for the Saints that I can remember. Uh, and not just so much of the fact of you know signing big names. Because, I mean, yeah, that's nice. That makes the fans happy. But what it comes down to is signing guys that are going to help you. And guys that want to be here. Right. Not not that are here to just get a payday or get a bag. Like, they want to be here because they want to play for this team and they want to win. Yep. And that's a whole different thing. That's why That's why I kind of want OBJ to come back, too. I'd love to see it. I, I don't know that we need him. I don't think you necessarily need him at this point. But, but at the same time, you, I said earlier that Mike Thomas, he's going to be healthy, but... He is progressing, but he's not at the point where we would think he would be at this point. So, say there's another setback, and maybe there's another injury, and by the time maybe that happens, you can upgrade a couple of players because like, you, you still have a little Jordan Humphrey, more likely not, or other receivers that probably won't make the roster, and you can have them for like a week or two because they played in the system. But if Odell's back and healthy and be like, hey, my C- my ACL is all good to go, and we're at week thirteen. Y'all need another guy? I think this is the right time now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's not a it's not a bad way of looking at it. No, for sure. Um, let's talk Cajuns quickly. With uh, they play TCU tonight in game one of the College Station Regional game one for Louisiana. Should I say they a little bit familiar with TCU? Played three games against them last year here in Lafayette. Cajuns only won one of those games. Uh, Spencer Arigetti having a dominant performance on the mound for the Cajuns, going six and two-thirds with four hits, struck out eight in the process. But, you know, you look at at some of the batting performances and and especially the guys that made appearances. I mean, Brandon Talley came in into that game for Louisiana. He's going to start tonight. Connor Kimple was on that team. Tyler Robertson was on that team. C.J. Willis was on that team. Carson Rockefort made an appearance in that game. So, you know, these guys have seen TCU, seen what TCU is able to do, has seen what Tommy Sacco could do. Tommy Sacco made an impact in that game last year, going two for four with an RBI. And he's now TCU's leading hitter this year. So it'll be fun to see what what goes down with that game. Obviously, a lot riding on it now that it is a regional. Again, if the Cajuns win tonight, they will play TC, Texas A&M at 6 tomorrow night. If they lose, they will play Oral Roberts at noon tomorrow. We'll keep you updated on that. We'll have live updates on my Twitter page, at Matt throughout the night and a recap article on the game website, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame. Got to give a special birthday out there. You know whose birthday it is? It's JB's birthday. Him. Julian Brock. Yeah. Yeah, it's Julian Brock's birthday. Yeah. It's also Al Horford's. Oh, happy birthday, Al Horford. You goat, you. You NBA soon-to-be MVP finals MVP. You. God dang it. But you, you know who else's birthday it is? Who else's birthday is it, James? <laughs> McLovin. McLovin. You remember from the from, from the Super movie? Bad? Yeah. Dude, I kid you not. <laughs> well, I, I've not, got a the ID says uh, I've got June a third. I've got a friend from high school that's gonna kill me for this. He looks just like, just like him. McLovin. <laughs> and so in high school we called him McLovin. And if I remember correctly, his se- on senior trip, he made a fake ID that said McLovin on it. <laughs> Does it say Hawaii? Honolulu? I don't remember that. I don't remember if it did or not. But man, to to this day, I still call him McLovin. Oh, I bet it, it's hilarious. It. Oh man, happy birthday, McLovin! It, <laughs> the goat. The, the the real guy's birthday was actually earlier this week, so that's kind of funny. Um, in case you didn't know, the Brooks and Dunn reboot tour is coming to the Cajun Dome this Thursday night, and the game one zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles has free tickets for you. 
To score tickets to the show, all you got to do is text Reboot to 68683. That's Reboot, R-E-B-O-O-T, to 68683. If you want to score a pair of passes to see Brooks and Dunn this Thursday at the Cajun Dome with special guest Dylan Carmichael and Louisiana native Jordan Davis, text Rebook, Reboot, to 68683 to win two pairs, two tickets to Brooks and Dunn from the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's take a timeout right here. When we return, we'll give you a preview of LSU and Kennesaw State as they are about 40 minutes from first pitch at Pete Taylor Park in Hattiesburg. You're listening to the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 3rd, 2012. Tiger Woods claims his 73rd PGA Tour victory with a two-stroke win at the Memorial Tournament at Mirfield Village Golf and Country Club. The win equals Jack Nicklaus's record. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. To crunch time with me, Yaz and Mesh, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. LSU has announced their starting lineup for the game tonight. And if you're a Tigers fan, there's some good news coming your way. The Tigers are going to wear their championship gold tonight against Kennesaw State. And here's their batting order. Batting first and playing in center field is Dylan Cruz. Batting second and returning to third base is Jacob Berry. Batting third and in left field is Josh Pearson. Batting fourth and at shortstop is Jordan Thompson. Batting fifth and at first base is Trey Morgan. Batting sixth and your designated hitter, K. Doty. He returns from injury as well. Tyler McMahon is batting seventh and catching. Braden Jobert in right field will bat eighth. And Collier Cranfield will bat ninth in place second base so no Gavin Duga Duga is out but Barry and Doty are both back in the batting order and Mikel Hilliard will get the start on the mound James you think LSU wins tonight I gotta ultimately believe in it they got their best pitcher they got most of their guys back and they've got their favorite beat reporter covering them of course the slug the slug himself the two slug, G, two G's. The slug with two G's himself. God, I hate that we gave you that nickname. I gave it to myself, I, and, and I hate that it's sticking. <laughs> it's starting to work. I hate that it's sticking. I because it's like you can't deny it. Because I want God, as, as bad you as won the home run derby. As bad as we all were with that home run derby, I still want it. So it's like you know but what? Today, today we're playing Nerf basketball, and you're going down. I'm going to yell Derek White and Al Horford every time I shoot. Derek White! Kobe! No, um, but seriously, in case you didn't hear me read it in the first segment, the Brooks and Dunn Reboot Tour is coming to the Cajun Dome this Thursday, and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has free tickets for you. All you have to do is text REBOOT to 68683. REBOOT, R-E-B-O-O-T, to 68683. You could score a pair of passes to see Brooks and Dunn this Thursday at the Cajun Dome with special guests Dylan Carmichael and Louisiana native Jordan Davis. Text REBOOT to 68683. From the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. James, you, you seem like the type of guy that would that would do some boot scooting buggy. Uh, you, you a brand new man? You drove down the red dirt road? See how many Brooks and Dunn's references I can, I can <laughs> shoot out here right here. I mean, I, I kind of recognize those, but no. <laughs> oh, you're not a country music guy. I'm I'm not huge on country music. Oh, that's but a I, shame. I do I do like it. That's a shame. I've gotten around more to it as the years have gone along. You know, we we live only in America. It's <laughs> another lyric. That that's four. Yeah. Um. All right, LSU, Kennesaw State. Let's talk about Kennesaw State ever so quickly. 35 and 26 on the year. They finished 19 and 11 in the Atlantic Sun Conference. 
looking at their schedule, they played Georgia close a couple of times. They beat Georgia Southern once in Statesboro. Um, you know, looking for any notable win. They took down Georgia Tech in March. Georgia Tech was 12th at the time. Uh, so they took them down. They got a game over Troy. And that's really about it. Um, not too many big wins on the schedule for the Owls. But looking at their statistics, how about Josh Hatcher hitting 386 on the season with 103 base hits, 13 homers, 25 doubles, and 55 RBIs? You thought 55 RBIs was impressive. How about Cash Young? All right, let's stop right there. The kid's name is Cash. You know he's money. We got Blake money. We got cash. You, you know he's money. I mean, his batting average. You see, I, I hate this. Is there a guy that's going to be called ATM? Probably. Um, I hate this. Kid's got a batting average of 296. And I literally almost said the words, his average is only 296. Batting averages have gone up so much over the years that 296 is now considered an okay batting average. I was going to say, that's middle of the road. It's all right. I remember 296 being like, dude, you're having a hell of a year. Like 296, you're you're hitting the ball, you're you're making contact with the ball one out of three times. Like that it's pretty solid. But anyways, 296, 14 doubles, 17 homers, 58 RBIs. He's got a slugging percentage of 564 on the season and an on-base percentage of 376, the highest slugging percentage for the team coming from Josh Hatcher at 648. And he's got an OPS just shy of 1100. The Owls kind of nasty. LSU might might uh might have some fun with them tonight. And then pitching-wise looking at a guy by the name of John Bezdek a 3.75 ERA in 15 starts. He's got a 5-1 and one record, 74 and a third innings, 57 hits, 38 runs. He's walked 31 and struck out 81. We'll see what the Tigers can do against Kennesaw State tonight if they win. The Golden Eagles of Southern Miss will face them tomorrow. I want to take this opportunity to thank Scott Watkins for coming on today previewing the Hattiesburg Regional as well as the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. James Mesh, appreciate all you do. Hope you have one hell of a weekend, my guy. For James Mesh, I am Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, enjoy some baseball, have a hell of a weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hopefully it's a victory Monday here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Speaking of the Tigers, they're next right here on The Game.